live from the North Pole. You're listening to the Health and Safety Law Report. I'm Doug Jenks. And I'm Abby White. So greetings, everybody, and happy holidays. This is our Christmas show 2023, which I know everybody's been excited about. Um, I am. How about you, Abby? Yes. Excited for the season? I feel kind of prepared this year. Yeah. I actually feel kind of prepared this year. Do you? Yeah. In what way? I I don't know. We just finished the shopping ahead of time and the wrapping is pretty much done. And like, it's not going to be a hair on fire emergency to get ready for Christmas this year. Knock on wood. Right. How about you guys? Uh, we're okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I still have uh, a couple, couple things to do, a couple important things to do. So it'll, it, it, it all comes together at the end. It does. Yeah, hopefully. So we thought we would do a a brief announcement alert, that is, for our listeners about new electronic reporting requirements um, for OSHA. But uh, then we also wanted to talk about whether or not the mayhem and hazards and potential injuries that happen at a crazy office Christmas party, not unlike that in the movie, would be considered workplace hazards by OSHA, which I think would be a fun topic. Yes, sounds fun. Uh, So, but first, an even more fun topic, the electronic uh, reporting requirements. uh, Abby, why don't you tell us about what OSHA has in store for employers come March? Oh, a real gift, I tell you. <laughs> so, okay. So some employers every year are required to electronically submit their 300A summary, right? Okay. So those Which are- employers? Who are they? Okay. So if you have between 20 and 249 employees and you're in a high-risk industry, um, which captures a lot- of industries, frankly, Um, or if you have 250 or more employees, regardless of your industry, then you have to electronically submit your 300A summary every year, which isn't too bad. There's not too much information on it. It's it's just that a summary of um, how many, you know, deaths, days away from work, um, total cases, that kind of thing. It's, there's no like personal or company information on there that is terribly concerning. You're you're uh, uh, summarizing the total number of recordables. Yeah. Right. Right. And high risk employers. I know it includes construction. Mm-hmm. And I I've looked at the list. I mean, it's it seems like it's a ton of different industries that are listed there. Yeah, I agree. Especially once you break it down into. Like there's the NAICS code, but then there's sort of sub codes. And when you get into all of those, there's a lot (laughs) that's covered. Yeah. I mean, the only industries or the only kinds of employers that jumped out at me that were not on that list were like, you know, office clerical type things. But it just seemed like maybe they should be if they're going to that crazy Christmas party you're talking Uh, about. Well, that is true. Yeah. (laughs) That is true. No, you're right, though. It seems like unless you sit at a desk and type on the computer or answer the phone, you're probably 
Yeah. You probably not let's see if you're on right. it. Couch tester. That's your, your <laughs> I, I want that job. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry. I digress. Go ahead. No, it's okay. It's cool. So that's the rule now. And this new one does not replace it, but adds to it. And that, and it, it takes effect January 1st. So employers are going to have to do this by March 2nd of 2024. So this pertains to employers in high-risk industries with at least 100 employees at any one establishment. So 100 employees at an establishment. An establishment is a single physical location where business is conducted. And you have to be in a high-risk industry. And those are going to be listed in Appendix B to this new rule that came out. Those employers are going to have to submit their Form 300, which is the log of all recordable injuries, the 301, which is the incident report. Um, So for every recordable injury, you've got to have an incident report, a 301, and the 300A, along with your legal company name, not just your DBA or whatever, has to be your legal company name. Um, All of that gets submitted to OSHA as well. Wow. So that's a lot of data. That's a lot of data about individual injuries. It is. Now, OSHA has said that you do not have to submit the names of employees. Um, So you can presumably redact those before you actually submit that um, information, as well as any anything that would identify like where they got medical treatment. Um, But yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of information. And then what will they do with this? So, I mean, they say they're going to use it for, you know, tracking injuries and illnesses, but they're going to to publish it. They're going to make it publicly available on their website. Um which to me is just horrifying. They say they will publish the data on their website to allow employers, employees, potential employees, employee representatives, <clears throat> their attorneys current and potential customers, researchers, I don't know who that would be, and the general public to use information about a company's workplace safety and health record to make informed decisions. So you'd be able to look up a company by name, presumably, or see what particular employers have injuries, reportable injuries. Yeah. Recordable injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I presume that OSHA would see this uh, recordable data that they might not have previously seen because previously, for most of these employers, they had just recorded it and didn't have to report it. Now they have to report it electronically this way. So now OSHA is going to be able to look at it. And I suppose they could just go out and, and start doing inspections based on what they are seeing. Yeah, based on trends that they see. Yes. Perhaps, or if they see something that's particularly concerning, right? Any one, um, three hundred log, and I mean, you're going to have to, on the incident report, you know, it, it asks employers things like, "What happened? Tell us how the injury occurred. What was the injury or illness?" You may, you may not know those things when you have to complete the three hundred one, because you know sometimes those things take a while to, um figure out. Um, and so just 
I don't know. Do you have recommendations about that? I mean, definitely be careful about what you're putting in those forms. Yeah, I like to provide very accurate information, but only provide the information that they ask and not to uh, go overboard with providing the information or providing too much information or irrelevant information. Only only provide the, um, the, only answer what they ask. Right. And answer uh, clearly and succinctly. Yeah. The 301 is the incident report and it might mirror the incident reports that employers are using uh, themselves, right? And some some employers actually just use the 301 as their company incident report. So I guess presumably it could be easy to provide this information to OSHA, but you do have to be careful about what you as an employer are recording because you only want to provide the relevant information. Right. Right. Yep. And if you're not using the 301 and you are using your own sort of equivalent, make sure everything that's on the 301 is on your own report because otherwise it won't. You could be cited for just that, for not having an equivalent form. So there's many layers of this. There are, yeah. And, and it's due by March 2nd. So each employer has to go to the OSHA portal, as it were, which is on their website. and upload this information for the employers um, that fall under this requirement Yeah, by March 2nd regarding their recordable injuries for 2023. And then they would have to continue to do that for each year thereafter. Annually. Yeah. Annually. Yeah. Do you know why? Somebody asked me this question once and I didn't know the answer. Do you know why the deadline is March 2nd? No. Why? I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to have some brilliant answer. I mean, this year, I think it falls on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. It just seems sort of like a random day. It does feel arbitrary. I don't know why. Okay, so that's big news. This is a big shift. Yeah. Big change. We are, as employers, essentially going to have to be reporting ourselves to to the safety police in a way that we've never had to before. Right. Or at least some employers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Well, anything else that we should discuss about that? I think that's pretty much the the alert. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. Let's not overwhelm our listeners. <laughs> let's not. Because the requirement <laughs> could be somewhat overwhelming. <laughs> right. So let's not make it worse. Right. Let's just tell everybody it's going to be fine. It's all fine. Yeah. Until it's not. All right, so changing topics briefly and just for our amusement. Last week I watched uh, the movie Christmas, Office Christmas Party, which is uh, hysterical. It's not family friendly by any stretch. It's um, really funny, quite raunchy at times, but it's good. It's not a it's not totally trashy that at least somebody like me can't enjoy it. I, I like it a lot. <laughs> and the premise of this movie, if you haven't seen it. I have it, not seen it. Disclaimer. Okay. I've seen it. All right. So here, here's what yeah. happens. This uh, company, it's a tech company in Chicago, is going to have a giant Christmas party. And there's a reason why they're deciding to have like a super big party. Um, and that's part of the plot. 
but the, the gist of it is that this party takes place in their offices at the end of the day. All the employees are strongly encouraged to attend. The uh, president of this or the guy in charge, the manager of this particular office, spends the afternoon going and buying tons of alcohol and kegs of beer and um, just you know live animals for live animal displays in the office. I mean, all kinds of just <laughs> hysterical and crazy stuff. And of course, um, throughout the party, people uh, drink a lot and they um, do crazy things. There are there's a guy who tries to swing um, across the room by grabbing on to Christmas lights, and of course, he falls. It is I shouldn't laugh. He's horribly injured, <laughs> and it's very comical. Um, you know, there's there's fireballs erupting. There's um, vending machines. Well, kind of like our Christmas party. No, I'm just uh, kidding. Yeah, no, not at all. Nothing at all like our Christmas party. Not, not even close. Vending machines thrown out, you know, a 20-story window onto the street below. People smoking weed on the sea, on the roof. And, you know, all, all kinds of crazy mayhem. So the question is, would OSHA look at those hazards and that behavior as a as hazards of the workplace and it uh, it seems to me that uh, well let, let me just throw it out to you what do, what do you think Abby so something jumped out to me when you said the employer strongly encourages participation in that That's because there are some exceptions um like for recreational activities and things like that. Um, if, you know, when you're trying to figure out whether something's work related for OSHA purposes. But I mean, I guess it depends on how strongly the employer encourages it. If your boss walks up to you and puts a cocktail in your hand or whatever, you know, says, drink this. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is work related. I hate, this is why we don't get invited to parties. Um, <laughs> at least me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're like Hayes uh, by your yeah. boss, your boss is like, chug, 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 chug. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see OSHA treating that as a work, like a workplace, those things as workplace hazards, potentially. In Ohio, for workers' comp purposes, if you are injured at an employer-sponsored or a employer-sponsored uh, social event, Let's mm -hmm. say a company picnic. Mm -hmm. That is a work injury. Yeah. Unless you so, sign that waiver. Unless you sign a waiver. Right. Yep. Um, so I could see that OSHA would think that, you know, such mayhem could be if it's if it's promoted and encouraged by the employer, could be some kind of hazard of the workplace. But it just seems so nuts if everybody is say drinking and behaving very irresponsibly mm -hmm. um not for the not for any work related purpose uh it it seems counterintuitive but osha might think that think it is all part of the office or, or part of part of the work activity well and yeah and what if you don't make them clock out to go to the party i mean if the party's in the office and they're still like on the clock True. I think that happens. I think that's maybe. That would indicate maybe it is. Maybe. Yeah. But let's say, though, that you clock out 
And you don't have to go to the party, but you're strongly encouraged to go to the party. And you know damn good and well that um, if you want to get ahead in the company, you'd better be there. Yeah. You know, then that that would indicate that it is um, work activity. Crazy. So this reminds me of a story that I heard when we, you may or may not remember this, but we had to go out to Portsmouth, Portland. Sorry, Portland. <laughs> Making of Portsmouth, Ohio. Portland, Oregon, to talk to some folks about safety. And one of the guys we were talking to shared a story about a time when he worked for a, a different company than the one we were talking to. And he said that they had an OSHA inspection during their company Christmas party. And and I don't know if this is true or if he was just trying to like tell a good story, but he said that they, while the compliance officer was there, they offered him some of whatever they were making in this crock pot meatballs or whatever. And the crock pot was plugged in with this extension cord that was all jacked up and spliced and had all this crap wrong with it. And he cited them for the extension cord being damaged. That's just cold. So if it's true, that really bothers me. Like that's the ultimate Grinch move right there. That is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> he cited them. Well, did he eat the what what'd you I say? Don't know. I hope he choked on it. No, I shouldn't say that, but maybe, probably. Uh-huh. Okay, so there's a case, uh, an OSHA case where an employer was having a company picnic. It's like a summer picnic, like 4th of July, maybe. Yeah. And they had a grill to grill all the meat and, you know, burgers and whatnot for the party. And the, the employer uh, somehow rigged up a uh, extra large gas can to the to the grill and it exploded. Oh, no. Yeah, exploded. And and of course, the employer was cited. They were actually cited under the general duty clause because there was no particular standard on exploding uh, grills, I guess. Well, thank Yeah. So so things that can go wrong, I guess, whether it's a a braid cord to your crock pot full of holiday meatballs or your uh, gas can for your grill for your company picnic. Is all fodder for OSHA. Yeah. And that's the lesson. I bet they really don't get invited to Christmas parties. I wonder if they even have their own Christmas party. <laughs> Probably not. Nope. All right. Well, so that's fun. Yeah. All right, Abby, here's an idea. Before we sign off this holiday season, let's discuss whether or not the movie Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's definitely not. Definitely not? Definitely not. Why? Because Bruce Willis said it's not. He said, am I allowed to say this on our podcast? Yes, let's do it. Okay. He said it's a goddamn Bruce Willis movie. Well, he could be in a Christmas movie. <laughs> right? I suppose. They're not like mutually exclusive, I guess. No, I don't think you so. You think it is, clearly. Well, I'm on the fence. It's it's barely I'll say it's uh I thought a lot about this. It's barely a Christmas movie. Okay. Um, and here's my sort of 
uh, analysis. In order for a movie to be a Christmas movie, in my opinion, it has to somehow, first of all, concern itself with Christmas, right? Okay, right. So, you know, it's got to be around Christmas time, about, you know, holiday yeah. events. It mm-hmm. has to have elements of Christmas in it. It has to right. have thematic elements, which means, you know, you got to you got to see a Santa Claus in it. There's got to be something in it happening regarding Christmas. Usually it is building up to Christmas Day or towards Christmas time. Right. right. So yes. like it, it's usually going to the the high the climax of the film will usually occur like on Christmas Day or maybe Christmas Eve or somewhere thereabouts. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, and then the other thing that needs to happen or really the I think the key thing that needs to happen is that there has to be some kind of gift giving or receiving and the giving or receiving of the gift has to trigger some sort of epiphany of your main character about like the goodness of humanity or uh, ah, something yeah. like that. Right. The, the gift doesn't have to be a physical gift. It can be a, a gesture, um, for example, or, uh, you know, some, something of that nature. All right. So let's think about Die Hard in those terms. It, it takes place on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. At a Christmas party. So that sort of puts us thematically in a Christmas film world, except it it concerns a terrorist attack. Right. <laughs> and lots of murder. The feel-good vibes are definitely missing. Yeah. So that yeah. kind of negates all of that. And mm-hmm. then as to whether or not there's a gift that occurs, the only thing I can think of is that the... Um, the main character, Bruce Willis, is out there to see his estranged wife. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, rescues her because she's among the people who are kidnapped by or captured by the uh, terrorists. And he rescues her. Mm-hmm. And part of the tension of the movie was whether or not she was going to let him stay the night at the house. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And at the end of the movie... Uh, there's a suggestion, I forget how strongly, but the suggestion is he gets to stay the night. And that, that could be the, the <laughs> gift. So the if, the, if, the, if the gift yeah. somehow relieves the tension and causes this epiphany, then then it's a Christmas movie. So maybe it is. Hmm. Yeah, I'm struggling with that, that aspect of it. Yeah. But oh, yeah, that's oh. a, I appreciate your analysis. That's more uh, in depth than anyone I know has ever gone into this issue. This is this is you know it, it's pathology that I thought about. Now I want to go back though and rewatch every Christmas movie I've ever seen to kind of see. Right, see if you can put it in. Yeah, I'm going to look for that, the epiphany. Yeah, in that in that context. So you know, like the Grinch. Think about the Grinch yeah. at the end of the at the end of the Grinch. Um, he goes down into the village and he gives everybody back his stuff. And has right. the epiphany about, you know, being kind and generous and, and, you know, the spirit of Christmas. So that's kind of an obvious. What about Home Alone? There's no, like, epiphany other than, shoot, I shouldn't have left my kid home alone. Maybe. there's. I think there's a couple of things. The mother, the family coming home was sort of a gift, right? So they didn't, yeah. they didn't permanently ditch the kid, right? So there's, no. so there's that. Um, also the relationship between Macaulay Culkin's character and the old man neighbor, you know, the guy who looks like a civil. Oh, woman. right. Yeah. The guy that so, turns bodies into salt. Well, but he, but he doesn't. <laughs> but it, no, but he doesn't. It, but yes, that's what he they does think. it. And so, yeah. 
Macaulay Culkin sort of convinces the the old man neighbor to reconcile with his son. And we see that at the end of the movie. And so may, the reconciliation between the yeah. and his son, and obviously that's just a side story, but that does, that's sort of a gift it's, of generosity on yeah. the part of the old man. And it sort of reminds him and re, uh, obviously reminds Macaulay Culkin of like the true spirit of Christmas, which is being with family. So true. I don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that's right. Because he just wanted his, his only wish were for, was for his family to disappear. And then, yeah, you're right. That was the epiphany. Good. Right. Well, he was up there with Fuller who wets the bed. Y- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Correct. Correct. So I do enjoy watching that movie. Yes. Every year. So thanks. Thanks for bringing that one up. All right. So we've, I think we've overstayed our welcome and talked about things that I had planned for 2024 and 2025. <laughs> so we're waiting. Yeah, we are. We're ahead of schedule. Well, happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. And remember, we are lawyers. But we're not your lawyers, at least not while we're on this podcast. Happy New Year and stay safe, everybody. 